0: what's going on guys welcome to episode 26 of calling all Craft beer my name is luke i am your host and uh welcome back from a little hiatus i know it's been a few weeks since we've dropped the podcast and rightfully so there's been a bunch of travel and all kinds of crazy stuff that's happened in the last few weeks it's kind of kept me away from being able to record a podcast so Thank you guys that have hung on and are um, anxiously awaiting a new episode. I look forward to putting this together for you. So I just cracked open a 120 days dry aged stout from Evil Twin Brewing. This is a 17 and percent ABV um, Imperial Stout. And uh, yeah, I haven't tasted it yet. So you're going to get the first round here on the show, but... There was some action when I opened this thing, man. There was definitely some distinct carbonation, some bubbles, and uh, all I smell is coffee. So let's see with the first little dab here, but it is still a little cold. Wow. That is deep. That is dark. That is strong, boozy. Holy crap that is motor oil wow well as we let this thing warm up a little bit we'll kind of dive into the show so man last few weeks have been just intense for me so between work travels and um just volunteering and a lot of things that i've had going on the end of the year is always kind of a busy time for me um and uh we have youth camp, we had kids camp. Normally, you know, I know I've talked about it before on the show. I am a volunteer for middle school and high schoolers for my church, something I've been doing for a long time. And I know, you know, people could sometimes look at, well, dude, you have a beer podcast. Like what's going on? What's, what's up with a beer podcast and being like a a spiritual leader in a church? Well, you know what? I'm very, very, very I like beer, but it doesn't consume my life. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't drink beer every day, and I certainly don't drink beer in excess, so it's just something that I do enjoy one or two once in a while, and uh, I made a podcast out of it because there was a time in my life when beer consumed me. There was a time in my life when it was my go-to. It was a what made me feel better. It was what took my stress away. It was what a, the same reason that a lot of other people turned to alcohol, it, it, it's what it was, you know, it was my escape, it was what made numb the pain and the turmoil and frustration that was my life, you know, um, I had a, I had a rough childhood, which we've talked about before in the past, but it kind of rolled over into adulthood, and, you know, Let me kind of explain what I mean by that for this show. It's going to be kind of an intense show coming back from a couple weeks without being on here. But, um, you know, one of the reasons that I turn to the Lord is because I've always been that person that found a loophole, found a way to benefit myself a little bit extra for every situation. You know, when I was a younger guy in my early 20s, You know, I was that guy that figured out how to, you know, do returns on the register and put the money in my pocket. And, you know, I'm not proud of that stuff. I mean, I'm appalled by the fact that I did things like that in the past. But I look back and, you know, I understand that at the time I was lost. I didn't have a direction, I didn't have, you know, Christ, I didn't have church, I didn't have anything holding me accountable. You know, I was just my own man. I did a lot of drugs. You know, I sold ecstasy. I sold weed. I sold cocaine. You know, there was a lot of things that I did back in the day that um, I look back at now. And, you know, one part of me is just like thrilled that I never got caught. (laughs) You know, I'll never forget. I had a time that I got pulled over in my car. I was, you know, probably about 19 years old and I was in a rental my car was being fixed in the shop and I had a pound half a pound of weed in my pocket bagged up and ready to sell and I got called out of the car by the cop and I'm freaking out I mean I had a bulge in my pocket that was huge and this guy calls me out of the car and ultimately what ended up happening is my mom owned a townhome that was actually being rented out by other people and they had been called in for a domestic dispute and the cop asked me, you know, hey, what's going on at your house? Because the, the the address that was still on my license was that home. Thankfully, it worked out for me because, you know, I played on it and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, my mom and dad are fighting and that's one of the reasons why I was speeding and I apologize. But the crazy part was he ran my license and my license actually came back suspended at the time because I had some other tickets that I hadn't paid. But thankfully, he allowed one of my friends to drive the car, tossed me in the back seat, and let me go so I didn't get caught, but I just think back on times in my life like that, where I was shown favor or grace, so to speak, and um, I don't know why, you know, it's, uh, I wasn't close to God, I didn't have faith, I didn't have anything, you know, at that point, I was literally just a heathen and just a young kid that didn't care, and, you know, and it, it just, it was the life that it was, so Moved on and uh, let's let's go, you know, kind of like leave that in the past and talk about the past few weeks. So um, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks back, I went to youth camp. Now, youth camp is middle school and high school age kids. And I actually myself and two other female leaders led a group of middle schoolers and some of the kids we knew, some of them we didn't. And uh, camp is a competition, so you get points for a lot of things. You get points for honor, you get points for organization, you get points for manners, you get points for um, winning games, you get points for winning contests, you know, for skits and dances and all kinds of crazy stuff. It was a four and a half day trip. We were actually out of town. Went to a camp in um, center of the state that is pre-existing and kind of just... They have dorms and they have, you know, a sanctuary and a gym and a mess hall and a lake and all kinds of cool stuff already there. So I'm going to tell you what, guys, I've been in youth ministry now for 14 years and in 14 years, I've experienced life change. I mean, in ways that I can't even express, you know, previous church to this one that I was a youth leader after a while, we had we would go to an event called Acquire the Fire. And Acquire the Fire was essentially a day event for high school and middle schoolers. And it was, you know, one of those things where in a single day, you just saw people, barriers broken down, walls broken down, just people like coming to Christ and just making the decision to, You know, walk a better path to make better decisions in their life, and it was just it it was a truly groundbreaking, truly heart-filled, you know, experience. But camp was that times ten, and uh, you know, the first night that we had what we what they call team time, where we got together as a group and we talked about, you know, we had some specific questions that had to be asked that were part of the curriculum. But then we had some time where we could just kind of open up and talk. And I had sixth graders, sixth graders. I mean, these are kids that are typically 12 to 13 years old, you know, coming forward and talking to us about suicide. Suicide, a sixth grade kid. And I know you guys that have listened to the show religiously know that I just lost a friend on New Year's, you know, Derek, to suicide. And that really hit home for me. You know, these are kids. 12 years old. And they feel like they have no recourse but to kill themselves. Some that actually tried, attempted, it, and were Baker acted and had to go through that whole scenario with their family of attempting to take their own lives because of because they felt unwanted or they felt ousted or they felt like they weren't part of something or they weren't loved. I don't even, you know, I don't even know. Like it was truly heartbreaking. I mean, I listened to some of the things that these kids talked about. I mean, we don't, you know, as parents, we don't understand always what the kids go through because a lot of times kids, They don't want to put an additional burden on the parents, some of them. Some of them do, and they, you know, open up and go crazy. Some of them don't say anything, and they kind of hold everything in. And, you know, my daughter's mom and I were never married. We were together. We moved to Florida together. We were together for about five years. So when we separated, it probably felt almost like a divorce, but we were never married, so it wasn't an official divorce. But I look at that whole scenario now after hearing these kids talk about divorce and how they felt like it was their fault and how they felt like they tore their parents apart and how they feel you know I had one young lady that that talked multiple times about how her mother had attempted suicide and that she felt responsible for that and I'm like that's not your fault you're 13 years old that's not your doing you have nothing to do with that you have no control over that and there's no reason on earth that a 13 year old kid should suffer that burden and I mean, it truly changed my life to the point that, you know, I just, I, I, I came back a different person. I came back someone who in, you know, prior months, prior years would have, you know, not been as patient, would have jumped down somebody's throat in the instance of something stupid, despite being a Christ follower and being a Christian and loving people it's very difficult to shine a light all the time and to be positive and to not take, you know, not to get upset with people because of stupid mistakes and stupid decisions and things that are said. And I think going to camp and seeing these scenarios with these kids truly changed me in that I have greater patience. I have greater understanding and awareness of what other people are going through. And it's just, it's given me that it's, Soften my heart to the point that even if I'm driving down the road and somebody cuts me off, you know, I may have in the past, you know, tailgated them and flipped them off and honked at them and went crazy and act stupid and got road rage. And now I just kind of think to myself, well, you know, maybe there's something important that they need to get to and I just sit back and relax. But it's not going to last forever. You know, things like this, what happens is you're impacted by something and it makes a distinct change in your life for a short period of time, but eventually you end up going back to your old ways, you know, and I hope that now that I'm older, that maybe that process is longer or maybe it doesn't happen at all. Maybe I maintain this softness and this, you know, and there's a difference between being understanding, caring and loving to people and allowing people to do you wrong and treat you horrible and, you know, whatever else, that's just not me. And that's not going to happen, but I've really, look deep into my heart over this last few weeks because I really feel called in essence called the ministry. And I don't know what that means. You know, part of me was thinking about possibly doing some type of faith based like youth weight loss camp or something like that. But uh, again, there's no funds or place or anything to do anything like that. So anything I did decide to do would take time, effort and energy. And I don't see myself as being a pastor or anything like that. So I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for me. You know, I do know that I enjoy what I do, you know, as a marketing director for a supplement company. But I also know that I don't. <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things about camp was that I lost my voice. And then when I came back, I got roped into doing kids' camp for another week, which uh, didn't never allow me to fully get my voice back. So here I am, you know three weeks later still fighting for my voice back and still a little raspy and have some issues with my throat so forgive me for that but what I was getting at is you know I enjoy what I do but is it long term do I see myself retiring you know from you know Project AD and which is the company I work for right now and being do I see this as being long term you know I wish and my boss would tell you otherwise, but I, I don't know, you know, I mean, there's no 401k, you know, there's no benefits, there's no anything to be part of this company. And right now I'm barely scraping by, you know, I'm making enough money to pay my bills and have a tiny, tiny bit left over every month. And it's just not enough to expound upon anything further down the road, you know, I mean, I'm going to tell you guys a silly story, you know, my laptop broke and I can't afford to buy a new one (laughs) and I don't know what to do. You know, part of me is like, ah, you just need to tell your boss and have him get you one on the company. And yeah, that's probably what I'm ultimately going to end up doing. But it's embarrassing, you know, as being an adult and having your being responsible and wanting to take care of your own situation. Nobody wants to go to their boss and say, hey, my laptop broke. Can you buy me one? You know, it's just, uh, it's frustrating. So I'm going to go ahead and take another sip of this 120 now that I've let it warm up a little bit. Mm. All right. That is strong. 17.5% ABV. Wow. That is like a full-on black Cortadito Cuban coffee full-on espresso bean style, you know, just darkness. I mean, it is black, black, black. I mean, so black to the point that I can put a flashlight on one side of the glass and you cannot see through this beer. It is so dark. It's very thin. There's not a thick, it doesn't have a thickness to it or a creaminess. Um, and the nose is all coffee Yeah, as of right now I'm not getting any other flavors than coffee. And uh, but it is delicious. I'm a coffee fan, so you're not going to you're never going to go wrong by me with coffee. So diving back into the last few weeks. So kids camp was great. The the younger kids, you know, we actually led a group of kindergartners, but it's very different. It's fun, it's energetic, you know, it's not as spiritual as the middle school to high school camp is, you know. You know, we did have some kids who raised their hand and essentially accepted Jesus Christ as their savior from what we know. But a lot of it, I just feel they don't really understand. So I don't I take that with a grain of salt. You know, the middle school kids are a little bit different. They're, like I said, 12 through 18. So they understand, you know, they get the concept of what it means to accept Jesus Christ into their heart and to be saved as a Christian. And it's a. But the camp itself, man, I mean, it was just so encouraging, so phenomenal. I mean, I saw kids, dude, I'm going to tell you a fun story. We had a little, one little dude that was uh, going in the seventh grade. He's a sixth grader going in the seventh grade. So he starts seventh grade this year. His name is Evan, and he had never been away from home before. And he is this little tiny nothing You know, glasses, you know, every for every sense of the word you would look at him and think that he was kinda like this little nerdy kid. But he was such a good hearted, just sweet kid. I mean, immediately I I was drawn to him because he kinda, you know, set himself up to be the outcast from day one. I mean, he wasn't trying to be involved in anything, he was kinda standing aside from everybody. Every time we would walk somewhere he would be in the back. So I made it a mission, you know, to to support him, to be there for him. And the first day, he just lost it. I want to go home. I don't want to be here. I wanna be with my mom. I miss my family. I mean, just bawling. I let him call his mom and he lost something on the phone. Mom, I want you to come get me. I can't stay here. So I made a deal with him. And I said, listen, Evan, I was like, brother, you know, this is life, dude. You're gonna you're gonna come across difficult situations, tough things that are gonna happen to you. And you're not going to be able to turn to your parents. You're going to have to do it on your own because you're going to have to be strong. Give me one day. Let's see how things are tomorrow. And then you tell me how you feel. And we'll go from there. Second day comes. Still, he was good all day. Through the events, through the fun, he had no issues. As soon as it came time to call his parents again, he lost it. Tell him, you know, in the corner with his head against the wall. Tell him mom and daddy wanted to come pick him up. Throughout this, this whole process, I was in touch with mom and dad, kept kept kind of letting them know how he was, you know, because I told them, I said, listen, you know, he's like, he's been fine all day. And it wasn't until it came time for him to be able to give you guys a call that he broke down and got upset. And the cool part was is that second night we went back, we had a late team, uh, team time session. Typically the way our days would go is we'd wake up around six, get the kids to the mess hall by like 7.15, eat breakfast, have events, have lunch. Then we would go do some events in the afternoon. Then we would have service, worship, and then team time. So a lot of times team time was like nine, ten o'clock at night. So the second night at team time, he just had this confidence. He had this aura about him, like things had just changed. And the sermon that night was actually um, from Pastor Carson, who talked about, he had like a little fake coffin on the stage, like a little, you know, almost like a doll coffin, excuse me. And he, um, and he said, he's like, this is what I want you guys to do. Whatever you're afraid of, whatever's holding you back, whatever is, you know, pulling you down, I want you to write it on this, this index card and I want you to put it in this coffin and lay it to rest. And I saw Evan go up there and put this, you know, index card in the coffin and from that minute forward, this kid had swag. This kid had confidence. This kid, his whole attitude changed. And when we got to team time that night and we asked them, you know, what did you what did you give to God? You know, he's he immediately stepped up. He had never talked in front of the group before. And he was like, I gave my fear and my and my I gave my fear of being away from my family to God. I was scared. I didn't want to be here. I wanted to go home. And he was like, thank you, Pastor Luke, even though I'm not a pastor, but they call me Pastor Luke. He's like, thank you, Pastor Luke and everybody else for making me feel welcome and making me feel loved. And now I want to be here. And my heart melted, you know, because it's just like, you know, that you put energy and effort. I mean, I, you know, I would go over to him and be like, hey, what's up, Evan? How you doing, dude? Give him a high five. Give him a hug. You know, make sure he felt included. I I talked to the other, like bigger kids, like the eighth graders in the group, and was like, "Hey, do me a favor, talk to Evan, make him feel included, make him feel comfortable," and they did. There was never a moment in time in this group of kids where where anybody felt like they weren't included. It was just amazing, dude. Like, I mean, you look at kids, you know, 12 to 15-year-olds or 12 to 14-year-olds. These kids can be awful, dude. They can be mean. They can be just torturous. You know, I mean, like I said, we had kids in our group that, like, talked about suicide. And I just, suicide because of their peers and the way the people made them feel. And then we never never had this in our group. These kids supported each other. These kids were on point with each other. These kids encouraged each other. They motivated each other. They were there from day one. And half of them did not know each other from minute A to minute B. And I just... Talk about inspiring. Not only as a father, but as a youth leader. I mean, I was just moved. By their strength. By their... Just willingness to reach out and be a light to these people and to pull these kids in and it was just amazing. It was a life-changing experience for me. And day one we were in third place. there was four teams in the, the way that it works is there's four middle school and four high school teams and then they do like a middle school winner, a high school winner and then an overall winner. So day one we were in third place in high school in middle school. Day two we were in third place in middle school. Um, day three, they didn't tell us. And was it day three they didn't tell us? Wait, we got there Sunday. Sunday night, we were in third place. Monday night, we were in third place. Tuesday night, we were in third place. Yes. So it was three nights in a row we were in third place. <laughs> Wednesday night was the final night where they actually announced the winners. And... uh I just knew, dude. I just had this feeling about me that these kids did it, you know. And not only did we, we had some of the smallest kids in this entire camp. And one of the things that I was going to say earlier that I redirected myself, I you know, they have this game. It's called the Harness Game. And it could probably have a much better name than that. But it's a four-way harness. So it's like tug of war. You literally put a shoulder harness on you and there's, it's a, it's four corners, and there's, you know, four one person on each side, on each four, fourth corner, and they have to pull everybody else to a cone, and the first person to grab the cone wins, and let me tell you, we had kids half the size of the other kids, I mean, half the size, I'm not talking about, like, 80 pounds versus 90 pounds. I'm talking about at one point we had a kid named Alex who was probably 70 pounds go up against kids that were over a hundred pounds. And this kid won. And it was just like, just no quit, just strength, just perseverance. I mean, it wasn't about pulling larger kids. It was about holding your ground. Staying steady, being steadfast and allowing the other ones to wear themselves out to their until there was a point that you could move forward because the other ones could no longer hold you back. And it was incredible. I mean, it was just amazing. You know, we did very, very well in the games, but what really wanted for us was just our kids just i mean just their attitudes you know their respect their positivity you know it, it, their chants their singing their standing in a straight line they're respecting their the leaders it just i had 16 kids on my team and boys in my dorm and i was the only leader 16 kids never had a problem once. The first night we were there, I had to tell two kids to stop jumping from bed to bed one time. And that was it. Never had an issue again. Lights out was 11 o'clock. By 11.30 at the latest, everybody was knocked out sound asleep. And they would wake up as soon as we woke them up in the morning. And I was just, I mean, there were high school teams that weren't as disciplined and as well behaved as my team was. And I don't know if it was a respect thing for me, because I was probably the... I honestly was the oldest person there. <laughs> or if it was simply just, you know, the way that... Just the kids themselves. I don't know. But... It was life-changing. It was one of those experiences that I'll never forget. Something I want to be a part of for many years to come. And... It, it just you know, cemented in my heart, my desire to be part of ministry. So I'm going to tell you a funny story. You know, one of the things, when I first got into youth ministry at the church that I'm currently at, my very first day, I sat down with somebody who was a staff member at the time and I said, listen, I drink beer. I don't drink a lot of beer, but I like craft beer and I have a podcast or not at the time I didn't have a podcast, but I was like, you know, I have a web page that I devote to craft beer. I drink, you know, three or four beers a week. You know, is that a problem? And he was like, nah, come on, man. He's like, you know, there's a lot of people that enjoy beer, you know, might have a, even a shot or, a, you know, wine here and there. He's like, come on. At the end of the day, Jesus turned water into wine and <clears throat> we're not... As long as it's not something where, you know, you go out and get wasted and drink, you know, 20 beers in a night and drive home drunk and all this craziness. As long as you're able to control yourself and it's not a an addiction or a habit or anything horrible like that, we have no problem with that. And I was like, phenomenal. So, and that kind of stemmed, the reason why I asked that question, you know, I could have kept it to myself. I could have been secretive about it, but I wanted them to know the truth about me. I didn't want to hide anything. I didn't want to be you know, have closet, have skeletons in my closet. When the, I had a pastor at a previous church. His name was Lee. And um, he was actually a chaplain in the United States Army. And a couple times during his um, employment as pastor, he had to leave and deploy. And we had to have an interim pastor step in. And I remember one time he came back. And this was in like 2000, probably 2011. And I talked to him one day because I, at the time I was leading the youth department and I just couldn't do it anymore. I was struggling. You know, my business was taking me away from being able to actually give the time that I needed to to the youth. But I wanted it was a conversation that I wanted to have with him in person and not just say, ah, not just, you know, say, ah, I don't want to be part of the youth anymore. So he um, asked me about coming to lunch one day and we went to lunch, and I forget the name of the place At uh, right now. Um, I forget what it was called, to be quite honest. But it was just a local restaurant, and I laughed because I came to meet him, and he was already sitting in the booth when I got there, and I walked up. And about two minutes after I sat in the booth, the waitress walks over and puts a beer down in front of him he's a pastor, and I looked at him, and I was like, you're having a beer, In the middle of the day, it's like one o'clock, you know, and he's like, yeah, it's like, it doesn't matter, you know, you can have a beer, and I looked at him, and I'm like, but you're a pastor, <laughs> and he was like, so, like, what does it matter, he's like, you know, I'm not gonna have ten, I'm gonna have one, like, that's, nothing wrong with having a beer, and that's the one thing that I think, when you look at, like, Christianity, and churches and things like that from, you know, a an outside perspective, there are some that feel that beer, wine, liquor, alcohol, anything like that on a whole, 100% is a no-no. They don't want you to have anything to do with it. You know, they'll take the Bible out of context and tell you that you can't enjoy fermented drink and things like that. And then you have others that are real world that understand and just say, you know what, like it's all about control. It's all about being able to be sparing and not say, and not be that person that sits down and has to have 20 beers or 15 beers or 10 beers or six beers. They can have one or two and move on and know that their mind hasn't been altered. And, and that's something that I, you know, it's important to me. And I know A lot of people would probably get mad at me and be like, well, why can't you just give up beer? Well, I can't. You know why I can't? Because I enjoy beer and it's fair. And the Lord says that I'm able to enjoy my life. So I don't want to be, I don't want beer to be taken away from me because it's against my religion. You know, I, I, but I also want to be respectful to my God and, and treat it as such And be respectful of what I've been allowed to to enjoy, and and, you know, and just have as a part of my life. So it's it's crazy when you think about it, because you know there are some people that I know that probably are in the same shoes as me that are like, ah, man, I'll drink as much as I want, okay, and that's fine, and you're you are entitled to your own opinion. You don't have to think or believe the same way I do, you know. For most people, one seventeen and a half percent ABV stout is probably more than enough for an evening. This is my second beer, you know, and I'm okay. I don't have, my mind is straight. I don't have, I'm not drunk. I don't have a, you know, a buzz, so to speak. I'm feeling okay. And mm, it's definitely a good beer. So, and the beer that I had before this was a Hot Bullet from Sierra Nevada. One of their shelfy style double IPAs. And it was enjoyable. You know, it is a um, kind of a honey forward, you know, double IPA, um, West Coast style, has a little pineiness on the back end, nothing crazy. But what I do wanna talk about whew, wow, is two that I got from uh, Taver that were sitting for a while because I was out of town. And the first one is there's a triple um, Hubbard's Cave, which is part of the Fresh series, came out with a triple IPA. 10% ABV. And I should have wrote it down because I can't think of the hops off the top of my head. But wow. Creamy, just luscious, weighted, tropical. Uh, I mean, absolutely phenomenal. I saw one left in the fridge, and I'm just, I got four actually, and I've had three of the four. Unbelievable. I mean, this, the only beer that I would second this to or equal it with right now is Phoenix Tears from 450 North. And I don't know, it may actually beat it a little bit, but it was absolutely fantastic. Mouthfeel was amazing. There's a silkiness to it. Just a thick creaminess. Just, it was just a luscious, luscious beer, if that makes any sense. I just enjoyed every aspect of it. And then the other one that was part of that was the Elk Prince, which is a triple from Anchorage Brewing. 10.4% ABV. A little bit harsher. A little bit more on the um, boozy side. Whereas with the triple from Hubbard's Cave, I mean, there's no evidence that that beer is 10%. You have no clue at all. And the Elk Prince was a little boozier. Um, definitely burned a little going down. Had more of an alcoholiness to it. But again, you know, nice and creamy, very tropical, tons of fruit flavors, and I just enjoyed it. I mean, it was... Uh, Pretty incredible. I'm actually really looking forward to, I have a friend of mine and my wife's Karen who's out in Cali right now. She visited Garage Brewing and she's, from what she told me, she's bringing me home a citrus IPA from Garage Brewing. I've had their, their tropical IPA at W, was it W24 last year? two years ago at the LA Fit Expo. The Wolfgang Puck restaurants in the top of the JW Marriott um, had their Tropical IPA, which I I enjoyed. 7.5% ABV, which is equivalent to the Citrus IPA. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Beer has not been a focus, you know, recently. Because I've had so much other going on. These were honestly like older ones that I had in my fridge and the Hubbard's Cave and stuff, I had to get them done because they expire on, well the drink by date is July 9th so and we actually leave again on Sunday to go out of town for a week so want to get those things you know finished up before it's time to head out so i'm just uh right now i'm in a i'm at a point point, at a stage right now where i'm just grateful i am i don't have everything i want but i have what i need i'm absolutely grateful for my god and for you guys and for just, you know, the world in general, you know, there's a lot of things going on right now that I could, um, comment on that I could get, make, turn this podcast negative, you know, like the democratic, uh, (laughs) debate last night, which was ridiculous, but I won't because I'm happy and I'm looking forward to going out of town. I'm looking forward to just moving forward and seeing where this next, you know, 6 to 12 months takes me. And I really, really, really appreciate you guys. Those of you that plan to continue to listen to the show, you know, our our uh, listens have dropped significantly. I mean, we went from probably averaging 1,700 to 3,000 listens a show to like 500, and I'm okay with that because if it means the difference between targeting an audience and getting valuable listeners that are going to continue to listen to the show for a long period of time versus people who just check in once in a while. I'm fine with that. I don't make any money off of this podcast. They're despite even the anchor, you know, uh, uh, advertisements and stuff like that that are on here. They've never made me any money. So It's not about making money. It's about enjoying beer, sharing the love of beer in my life with people. And I hope you guys enjoy it, you know, and if you don't enjoy it, do me a favor and give me some feedback. You know, I certainly don't want to keep putting a podcast out there if there's not a group of people that I'm actually speaking to and that are actually willing to listen. You know, I know I have a few listeners that are hardcore, you know, even had my buddy Drew reach out to me because he knew that I had gone AWOL for a few weeks and I absolutely appreciate that beyond words, but if there's, if I don't have a core good group of people to listen to the show, don't be afraid to reach out to me and say, your show sucks. Move on. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to do this unless I have an audience. And, uh, those of you that do listen, I greatly, greatly appreciate you and I look forward to, you know, continuing forward and, Hopefully we find, you know, our true audience and we just keep moving forward. And, you know, maybe one day I can make some money off of this podcast. But right now, it's not about that. Right now, it's about just sharing, you know, my life and the love of good beer. So, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, this is episode 26 of Calling All Craft Beer. I'm Luke. Later.